Welcome to the Capital Integrative Health Podcast, a podcast dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health, an integrative practice committed to expanding access to holistic root cause medicine to the global community. Today, we're joined by our friend and colleague, Dr. Kim Baer. Dr. Baer is a biological dentist and is passionate about providing quality dental care that does not come at the expense of overall health. She offers innovative care that is free from toxins, bisphenol A, fragrances, and fluoride. Dr. Baer's areas of expertise include holistic services like ozone therapy, safe amalgam filling removal, natural orthodontics, and non-metal zirconia dental implants. We are excited to bring you a conversation about biological dentistry and how oral health can affect your overall health. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) And Dr. Baer is a biological dentist, but I also know her as Kim because Dr. Baer or Kim is also my dentist. So I'm very um, happy that you're here and grateful that you're taking care of my oral health as well. Oh my gosh. I remember when you first started seeing me and you were so young. (laughs) <laughs> seems like another lifetime ago yeah we were both starting out yeah that's great it's been great to watch you grow it's really really been amazing same for your practice it's it's great now you have uh, jennifer with you yep. and um you have amazing staff just giving a shout out to um dental hygienist that <laughs> i see kelsey there um, i know you have a lot of great, yeah, great yeah. people very i'm very blessed i have a lot of great staff yeah yeah so we can talk more about that well, um, I think first to start off here, Kim, let's tell us about your background and introduction to dentistry you know, as a whole. How did you get interested in dentistry and then specifically more holistic dentistry? Well, uh, to be completely honest, uh, if someone had told me I was going to be a dentist in uh, college, I probably would have been offended. Uh, my older sister was um, is an osteopath and became an OB, and she was doing her residency. And I was getting ready to take my MCATs, and she was like, don't do it, man. Do not do it. School's the easy part. You're giving up your life. You know, she hadn't been home for the holidays in seven years, um, and she scared me. And I was hearing about her bad days, which are really sad and hard. I knew I wanted to work with my hands, and I wanted to help people. And um, I really didn't know what to do. My friend said to me, you should be a dentist. The hours are really good. I work at a dental office. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, so I went into dentistry, but I had no idea at that time that I would be practicing the kind of dentistry I'm doing now. Um, so, yeah, it's been an amazing journey and definitely um, more interesting than I ever thought it could have been. That's awesome. Well, and um, so we all know, I think, what a dentist is, what a dentist does, obviously take care of the mouth, the oral health. But what is biological or holistic dentistry? Let's let's kind of talk about the basics of that first. Well, a lot of people will use these terms, um, but the training is really hit or miss. Um, so biological dentistry is basically uh, like biological medicine or functional medicine is really looking at the whole system. In this country, we chop things up. Um, I love this country and I'm part of it, um, but we chop things up. Like in dental school, I'm only allowed to look at this, or I'm only allowed to look at feet, or I'm only allowed to, like none of them are connected. Uh, we learn a little bit here and there, but honestly, this is one system, one system, everything. Once I learned and I realized that everything I was doing in someone's mouth, whether it was a little filling or a cleaning, was affecting everything, um, 
it's a little overwhelming. I, there was these moments where I wish I didn't know, because once you know, you, there's no turning back. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, you once you start to look at it that way, it really changes the way you treat people and potentially the type of treatment you would give a patient because you really are looking at their overall health and what their body potentially um, would work well with and what would what it wouldn't work well with. So connections versus silos, you know, I kind of think of those Iowa grain fields with a bunch of silos and now of course none of the silos are talking to one another, although we know that our bodies are connected. Yes. How would biologic or holistic dentistry that looks at the the whole person and how everything's connected, how does that differ from conventional dentistry? If you could give our listeners a bit of an example of how, how that approach would be a bit different. Um, so for example, we look at what materials we're using. Like we're putting something in your mouth, which is part of your GI system. It's the, it's the start of the tube. So uh, it's very important. So just like people, some people have sensitivities to different things, whether it's um, pollen or smells or um, metals. So we look at that person and look at what materials would, they would do well with. I think it's 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 kind of crazy that we don't look at that with everybody. Um, and if we have a patient who's very sensitive, we will do biocompatibility testing, which is a blood test where we actually send it out and they will look for sensitivities. So um, for all the dental materials that are used in the United States. So what I tell my patients is it's great to get this test results and it will say, you know, list them all and it will say what's good and what's bad. Um, but what, the most important thing on that list is what's bad. That's really the key right there. So the things that are bad you would avoid putting yes. in someone's yes. first part of the GI tract, the mouth. Exactly, Got exactly. Because a lot of times um, if you use, whether it's a cement or a filling material or a crown material, um, it might not show up in that area um, that there's a problem. But if it's if this patient has inflammation issues, it's just going to be like it could be a trigger or a straw, and it can create all kinds of issues systemically. So, you know, it's, it's all connected. In functional medicine, we talk about the straw that breaks the, camel, the camel's back, right? And so, like, we keep on putting straw after straw, allergies and toxins and maybe yeah. non-biocompatible, yeah. you know, filling yeah. material or things like that. All these things can contribute to inflammation. Yeah, like we always, I use that phrase all the time, like in like the table, like your life, your body is a table and our entire life we're putting stuff on there, toxins, toxins. And most of us are okay at detoxing, and we can start getting, like some of those we can clear every once in a while, but eventually it's gonna build and build and build, and your body's gonna say no more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're gonna start having, they'll say, oh, I have been using this material or this product for so many years, I had never had any issues, but now your body's saying, I'm done, you know, like, and then, so it doesn't, you know, it, just because something was okay in your 20s doesn't mean it's okay in your 30s or your 40s. And that point can't be overemphasized enough, I believe. You know, if you're putting something in someone's mouth that's going to be there long term, potentially for the rest of your life, and it's not biocompatible, then that, that could really be something that's an ongoing low-level trigger for that's sure. causing inflammation. For sure. And that's, yeah, that's what we try to avoid. And, and um, I think another question we have, you know, along with that, along with biocompatibility, is what minimally invasive technologies to use in, in more biological dentistry? So, as far as minimally invasive goes, um, you know, we're all about um, only extracting teeth if it's really necessary. Um, 
and um, a lot of people will extract teeth for orthodontic reasons, and we're kind of against that. And then uh, we, in our office, we use a laser, which is allows us to do many procedures, surgical, uh, fill, different things, you know, and, and remove the minimal amount of tooth structure. Well, orthodontics, just to get back to a, a non-expert <laughs> like myself on this, what would that mean? So if someone conventionally is going to extract tooth for orthodontic reasons, what does that mean? So we know, and there's a ton of research, and you can Google it. Um, it used to be, you know, if you, they all extract uh, premolars um, on kids or even adults to make basically be able to move their teeth in and line them up. When you do that, first of all, 98% of the cases will always have some sort of TMJ issue. And it's because at that point, you're not only making the jaw smaller, you're pulling back and you're compre you're putting, com you're compressing up around C1. So mm. like you're doing this, um, which will lead to sleep apnea down the road. Um, all kinds of airway issues, less oxygen, and um, and it's it's just a really these people need to be expanded, not retreated. Is that very common nowadays? Uh, still, with... you'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, that's that... not all. You know, it's you know, yeah. I think um, the education is out there, and I think things are changing, but you'd be shocked. So it's still happening where people are just removing teeth just to make them sort of get an alignment, but that's not really it's, getting to the root cause. No, no. It's it's a quick way of lining your teeth up. It's much quicker and easier to do that. It's kind of like with, uh, you know, surgery sometimes, you know, like the subcutaneous belly fat liposuction, which doesn't do anything to visceral fat inflammation. Yeah, I'd you love know, to hear your thoughts on making, that. It's super interesting. Well, just as a tangent, you know, that in theory will make people look better and the contours better, but it really doesn't do anything for C-reactive protein or these type of things. Yeah, yeah. It kind yeah. of makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's talk about some of the, the um, I would say, you know, media aspects of this podcast here. Um, how, how does, <laughs> um, we might uh, allude to Weston A. Price a bit here, but um, how does dental health affect health overall? So we listed some things here to, to chat about, but you can feel free to really uh, dive into any area you'd like. You know, we, we talk about how there are potentially connections certainly between, um, you know, dental health and certainly, certainly gut issues, you know, it makes sense. But also overall inflammation. Um, maybe we'll start with that, and then we can kind of go through some some other things that you might think are, are um, relevant here. Yeah. So there's, in my very humble opinion, so as far as inflammation goes, um, you can look at you know the tissues and infection in the mouth, um, which is huge with that, uh, um, and then also though. Uh, when we look at someone with like a small airway or sleep apnea or not getting enough air or breathing through their mouth, they're not a nasal breather, their mouth is going to be inflamed. And overall, they're usually very inflamed generally, systemically. And you'll hear it's the same issues. These people have the same issues. It's usually, I'm seeing your list here, it's hypertension, ADD, sleep apnea, fatigue, migraine headaches. And they almost are all sort of wrapped together. And you see this whole connection. Um, so we've definitely seen huge results with um, getting that inflammation down, um, but it's a very, it's sometimes a patient will come in and there's something that we can do as far as periodontally that we, that is just an issue that we can correct, whether it's been, you know, just keeping up their hygiene, getting their hygiene better and getting them on more, a better biocompatible products, if they're going to use products, because sometimes... Mm -hmm. 
in this country we feel like if it doesn't burn or bubble up or fizz, you know, it's not working. It's <laughs> or, not a real thing. I know. <laughs> it's not clean. It doesn't hurt. So, so um, no pain, no gain. Yeah. So it's actually the complete yeah. opposite in your mouth. Yeah. So um, yeah. So once we correct even one of these things, you'll see all kinds of interesting. But a lot of times we can do. You can keep going to the dentist every couple of months and do cleaning, 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 cleaning. If you're not breathing through your nose and your diet is wrong or your airway is too small and you're just not getting enough air, that inflammation, it's just like, it's just, you're never going to get ahead of it. So the mouth, when it's too crowded from either developmentally, genetically or acquired, there's not enough oxygen getting to the entire system, to the brain, to the rest of the tissues. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we would maybe see some of these medical issues that we see in, you know, healthcare overall hypertension, sleep apnea, sure. these things, fatigue, ADD, ADD yep. right? We, we need oxygen for our, our lives, not only to survive, but also to thrive. Like someone could be walking around upright yep. vertically, but they might be a little, you know, sleepy or they might really not be all there. And we think that, you know, maybe oxygen has a big part to do oh, with that. Oh, for sure. I was uh, tired all the time. I definitely had oxygen issues. I was like, um, I could sleep 12 hours and still be exhausted. Um, but, uh, and, you know, it was, you know, diagnosed as ADD or, you know, because it comes off in all kinds of different ways. Um, but, yeah, if you're not getting enough, what is it, the the rule of, is it threes? It's like three days without water, uh, three minutes without oxygen. It is pretty close to that. Yeah. 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 yeah you basically, uh, I think there are people that can. Um, Corey is one of our acupuncturists on here and he does the Wim Hof breathing. So I'm pretty sure he can go, you know, more than more three than minutes, <laughs> but he's a, he's a stud in that regard. So, you know, got the three minutes plus oxygen, but it's, it's Typi definitely something. Yeah. Typically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Typically. So, yeah. So, you know, once we, and, and, you know, and I see a lot of patients where they'll come in and they'll have these long-term chronic infections in their mouth, you know, whether it's around a root canal tooth or just a tooth that's dead and they feel nothing. I could tell you so many stories. They feel nothing. Um, they had no idea. And that's why one of the things my patients, I, and I totally understand are, you know, radiation, there's issues with t getting x-rays taken and you want to be careful with that. Um, one thing has been great with dentistry in the last 22 years since I've been practicing is everything's gone digital. So one dental x-ray is like a tenth of what one old dental x-ray used to be radiation wise. There's pros and cons to that. We don't see as much detail because there's less radiation, but we see enough. And these infections, that's the only way they can be seen. And um, these infections sometimes can, you know, you'll have lymph node issues, you know, be, people are being treated for these much bigger issues that their doctors are concerned about. And, they, these, and, you, and you guys have no idea this person has a huge infection in their jawbone because there's no, been no pain, no one's found it. Now, are the x-rays that you take to screen for infections, like, you know, cavities and other chronic dental infections, is this something done in conventional dentistry overall? It is. It? it is done in conventional. The only thing I would say is, um, you know, sometimes certain areas aren't x-rayed often enough or... Um, for instance, some dentists don't use a 3D um, imaging, which just gives you a lot more of that. So even though the x-rays of the teeth are being taken, your own some x-rays only really show you cavities. They don't show you the whole jawbone. So that's where you, know, you can be going to your dentist regularly. And if they're just taking those x-rays looking for cavities, they're not going to see anything else. Yeah, just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah.
I use that analogy a lot in our <laughs> practice here. Kind of like that, that Titanic. It's like, oh, there's just a little know, piece know, of the know, iceberg, but there's a it's, lot more. It's so funny. I use yeah. that all the time as well. Yeah. 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 That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we can talk about, um, you know, let's let's talk about migraines and headaches a bit. Because, you know, I know we see a lot of people with migraines and headaches and TMJ in, in our clinic. So how is that related to mouth health and just overall... You so know, I have to say, um, tons of theories, and over the years, I used to suffer from them. Um, I've gone, I've done the, the Dawson training, and I've done a gazillion different other uh, occlusion trainings. And what I've come to find is it's really about compression um, in the joint, which is usually a, a jaw that's been pushed back a little too far. Um, and you, we can see it on the x-rays, and you have a tuberosity by C1, and if the angle of your mandible should be about four or six millimeters in front of it. So a lot of these patients, it's like here. So... In the C1? Yeah. Okay. So what they're experiencing is there's compression there. So they're getting, um, you know, uh, they're getting fluid buildup, inflammation, uh, there's poor vascularity, so it creates this whole domino effect. So you're saying that poor oral health and, and a jaw that's too far back is actually compressing the cervical spine and causing headaches? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then if they have that, then I can tell you right now, because if you were to look on a diagram, and if we had a 3D here I could show you, they would also have, when they lay down at night, they'd not be getting enough air either. Oh, wow. So they might not have sleep apnea. I've never, the funny thing is sleep apnea is such a key word. I remember my father died of cancer a few years ago. He snored like a truck. And we kept sending him for sleep studies, and they kept saying, he's fine, he doesn't sleep apnea. He didn't have sleep apnea. What he had was severe uh, upper airway resistance disorder, which actually is worse. Oh, wow. They're fine saying because it's chronic low oxygen saturation for the entire sleep <laughs> and oh. so you're getting less air because that's and that because if you're snoring something's blocking it so you're yeah. getting less air for the entire time instead of just you might not be you might not stop breathing you're just getting less air time to get those sleep studies yeah I know. <laughs> to diagnose this because we've diagnosed this a lot in our practices uars huge, did not know about it before and, and like you know like yeah. with you know, women, I started snoring like crazy, um, like right before I turned 40. And my daughter, my who's now 12, told me, she's like, I don't want to sleep in your bed anymore. She would sleep in my bed sometimes. She had a bad dream. She's like, I don't, because you snore. And I was like, I do not <laughs> snore. I've never snored. And, um, you know, once your hormones start changing and that soft tissue starts to drop a little bit, that's when you'll see, you know, I always had a small airway, but my tonsils and adenoids were removed when I was three, but it wasn't until my hormones started to change, and um, then you know, and then is the it the was... estrogen or what, what is it that is? The, I always thought uh, it was the pro I always thought it was the, no, I always thought it was the testosterone. Okay, but okay. I'm a dentist. I'll have to look that up. So, yeah, you, you, I'll, you, I'll, I'll <laughs> research that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, great, uh, and then I guess TMJ would also obviously be affected by by you know dental health as well. For sure. Um, how many how many people do you see in in your practice that have either sleep apnea, you know, frank sleep apnea, or some sort of upper airway resistance syndrome? Because I know you work with also Dr. Manny Kim, yes, and uh, you know work very closely with him. So, what is your you know percentage you think that you're seeing in your population? Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I know, I yeah. know, I know. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's people high. get tired of hearing about this, but um, it would be easier for me to pick out the people who don't. Yeah, I'm always impressed by them. 
I'm always like, ooh. You don't have You have UARS. a nice airway. <laughs> yeah, like. So what's the root cause of all this, you know, getting to the why of medicine here? I think it's generations of extractions, bottle feeding, diet. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I travel overseas, and for instance, I haven't gone last two years, but I was doing a trip to Haiti every year. And I'll tell you what, they have their diets were no processed foods. I mean, I usually go to these places and there's a lot of pro- processed food diets because it's it's cheaper to eat that. In Haiti, it's actually not available to them. So okay. they're really eating like fresh food. Not a lot of it. No one has any body fat, but they're eating, that's what they're eating, um, just not a lot of it. But I'll tell you, structurally, like jaw-wise, airway-wise, when I'm working on them, I'm always like so jealous. Just beautiful airways. Is it kind of like weightlifting where if you, you know, keep on lifting weights, doing push-ups, your muscles get stronger, your your jaw and your airway might get a bit stronger, wider if you if you chew foods that are not as processed, you know, that are not as soft? Yeah, but yes, I would, but I don't know that it would, how, I can't tell you how much it would help you if you did that, but I think it would help any children you would have. Yeah. So like, I think as you, as, so we've gone down this path for many generations and our skulls, are, we're getting smaller and smaller, especially in this country. And you'll see it in other areas, it's not the case. But um, so hopefully we'll start to reverse that. So I look at my patients now who I'm actually doing that on. Um, We're using growth appliances to grow them out. And I always think to myself, I won't be around, but it would be so amazing to see what their children's jaws look like. Yeah, start with the children. Yeah. 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 And and you treat children in your practice. You, yes, you, you we guys do. do with Dr. Yeah. Tipograph. Yeah, with Dr. Tipograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. That's great. What is the um, earliest age you treat um, there? So we like to. First of all, we just love babies, so we just yeah. look for excuse for our patients to bring them in. Um, <laughs> we're like as young as they can come in and actually just sit there. So a lot of times, if they're really little, we'll say bring them in when you're getting your teeth cleaned, so we can just take a look or just to get them comfortable in the office. You don't want their first time in a dental office to be like when a tooth gets knocked out. You know, you want it to be considered a fun place to go. Mm-hmm. So that's what we usually tell them. Of course, I remember loving the uh, dental toys and the video games we used to play, you know, yeah. going to the dentist. Yeah, yeah. Makes it a fun experience. I, I always had positive experiences as yes. a dentist. Well, um, just officially from the, the ADA, what what's sort of the official, like, when should kids start going to the dentist? Oh, the ADA, huh? Um, or let's just I, say for I, I would, your recommendation, I maybe think, not the I ADA. I think they say... Uh, I don't know. I'm guess. I, I don't even want to guess on the ADA thing. But usually, I think a lot of people say commonly is, um, you know, age three. Yeah. Or like, you know, some people say as soon as you know they've erupted a few teeth. Um, it's really there's a lot of different philosophies on that. I don't think you can go wrong. And, and I, I like to say also, you know, look at the guidelines, but also use your brain and you know use your intuition about you know health sure. in general. So yeah. I think that's great for the listeners out there. Um, what are some long-term effects of infections in the mouth? You know, we talked a little bit about dental health and overall health, but, you know, we know that there's an oral microbiome in the mouth. You know, we talk about, a lot about here about the gut microbiome. Yeah. But, of course, the mouth is part of the gut. But there hasn't been as much research. I think there is more research now being done on the oral microbiome. Mm-hmm. What are the, what's the effect of, you know, what we would call oral dysbiosis or, you know, oral microbiome imbalances? How does that affect... Um, you know, your uh, dental health and overall health. Yeah. So once again, I'm going to say I'm a dentist. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't get a hand slapping on this one. I can say that there's a lot of research um, out there. I mean, clearly one thing, one thing we do know, which is funny that 
the heart surgeons are a little ahead of. They are have been since I've been practicing. You know, they are hardcore about the mouth and the heart. They know there's a you know there's a ton of research that shows you. Now there also it's a lot of research out there saying, for instance, like if you had a hip or a knee replacement, the same bacteria if someone has periodontal disease or an infected tooth in their jaw, like I was talking about, like an infected old root canal or a tooth that's died, they don't feel that when they culture that rejected implant that they put somewhere else in the body, they're seeing the same bacteria that they would culture out of the mouth. So, you know, surgeons know this, that they don't want their patients coming in for surgery unless everything in here is good. Um, So, you know, that tells us there's a lot of research out there that shows how if this is not good, you know, it's going to affect everything. you know, it definitely, and there's like a lot of really interesting research coming out now showing like even just the effects of your oral health on your mental health. Um, so because we're learning, you know, people say, oh, a psychological event or a psychological issue a patient might have maybe um, isn't physical, but now we know it actually is physical. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's all, you know, it's all connected. It's it's a, like, uh, I like the way Dr. Manny Kim, I've I use him, quote him all the time. He, you know, and he's a PT, does a lot of osteopathic work. And his philosophy is he thinks the mouth and the jaws are super important. He calls it the top of the zipper. So when this is imbalanced, either structurally or um, even bacterial wise, it's as you go down, it gets worse and worse and worse. So, you know, when you're zipping up your coat and it's a little off, and then mm-hmm. as you go down, it gets worse and worse and worse. So he is all about getting this fixed so that he can work on stuff further down the chain. That makes sense. I know. Yeah. He's so yeah. smart. He is. He is. <laughs> as you are as well. But um, well, I know there's also some research, I believe, not mistaken, that there's some research between Fusobacterium, um, which I believe is is one of the potential, you know, colonizers in the mouth and, and colon cancer or yeah. colon pathology. And we, we do see that sometimes on the the gut test that we do, there's some fusobacterium. So if we see that, we might say, hey, go go see your dentist, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, and, you know, and yeah, and there's, it's, there's been so many cases where we've removed on patients, you know, um, I, I can't tell you how many patients have come in that have been, you know, recovering from breast cancer um, or, you know, and have had the treatments and are okay. And then we look at their um, jaw, we do a 3D and then, oh, you have four infected root canal teeth, you know, and then we go in there, clean it out. But I always wonder, you know, uh, you know, yeah. I, I wish this had been found earlier. I can't, but I, I all I can tell you is um, that's a lot of white blood cells keeping those little chronic infections. So it's a burden on your body. And so when we clean one of these out, I can't make any promises uh, systemically, but I can tell you that it can only help. You're cleaning out the system, maybe unburdening the immune system so it can concentrate on the entire body. Exactly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of wasted yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah, it's not needed there if, if there's no infections there. That's that's great. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot uh, we could talk about, you know, for that. But I guess we could start also talking about just going back to the mouth breathing because that's so important. You know, people are... People should breathe through their nose. You're going to increase the nitric oxide there. You're going to, it's going to be a better breath, you know, pound for pound, so to speak, you know, nose breathing versus mouth breathing. Why do people breathe through their mouths? 
if if they you know maybe people don't know that it's you know or it could be their they have sinus issues or something oh yeah for sure so people come in all the time and they say um i have a deviated septum everybody's got deviated septum so you're if you take your finger if you take your thumb and you put it up on the roof of your mouth and it goes up like mm -hmm. this it should not do that so that's called a vaulted palate. The roof of your mouth is like this. I'll do that after this podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> it does this. It shouldn't do that. It should be like this. Not completely flat, but almost. <laughs> and so um, when it does this, it usually goes a little to one side or a little to the other. And it's literally sitting in your sinus where your sinus cavity. So it's, it's blocking this one side or the other usually. I usually ask the person right or left is like this little interesting thing I want to do research on. Because it usually goes, it grows up into the left less dominant side usually if you're right-handed it'll be on the left side or you know mm. if you're right-handed so you said if you take your thumb up it'll it's the it should be flat it shouldn't or? be like this okay it shouldn't go up you should put your thumb in it should go like this and, and, and touch the roof and if it does go up like a tent then what does that so mean so it's called you have a vaulted palate okay super common and that is it it you're the roof of your mouth has grown like this for many reasons one reason is a lot of times when people do orthodontics um when they're young, um, the wires, the way they are designed, they are designed for retraction. So they don't ever really let the draw go out. They sort of hold them there when they're 12 or 13 like this. And so they never get their potential of going out. So when that happens, um, the roof of their mouth, they're still growing, can't grow out. So it grows up. Oh, okay. 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 So to get air, then now you're using your mouth because you're never going to get enough air out of your nose. Mm. Like I love the lip taping, all that stuff, but it's a problem if you can't get enough air through your nose. It's going to mm. be a constant struggle. Mm. So that's um, so, or it could be someone who thumb sucked for a long time and put that pressure up there. Now, is there a way to reverse that vaulted yes. palate? Yes. Okay. So that's what we do with the growth appliances mm -hmm. on adults and children. Um, so reversing that, um, especially. Children, uh, you don't get the feedback by because they're so easy going. But with adults, they'll tell you right away after the first month. They're like, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden now I can get all this air because it literally will oh, pop down a little bit. So, um, yeah, so we want to increase that air through the nose. So the growth appliances are the ALFs or? Yeah, ALFs. Um, there's a Vivos appliance. There's a Liao appliance. Mm -hmm. There's many different ones. Right. Dr. Liao is local in this area, I believe. Yes. Yes. He's a good friend of mine. I yeah. love him. I saw him Felix. at a networking event, a functional network Felix is great. You should get him on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's Planning a talker. To. Awesome. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. I'll well, give you Felix. a Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I'd love to have him on too. Um, let's talk about a big topic that I think is, is really, there's a few big topics that we want to also hit on here. Um, one is amalgam fillings, um, which, you know, back, back in the day, back in the eighties, you know, when, when I was, uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, had some fillings and everything and, you know, that was kind of standard of care, but you know, they were called silver fillings. And of course, yes. silver sounds really sexy, really great. Like, oh, jewelry, <laughs> you know, silver, gold, platinum. Hey, what could go wrong? But my understanding after looking at it more, uh, you know, recently, it's like, well, you know, silver fillings are really mostly mercury yeah, fillings. Yeah. <laughs> so very little why don't they silver call it mercury very, fillings? Very little silver. Right. What is it, like 2 or 3%? It's li very little. It's, <laughs> I, I think the majority is mercury. And so, um, yeah, I got them out, you know, got them replaced with some biocompatible, um, you know, either porcelain or other things. But um, but how do you approach removing fill uh, fillings? And if, if you'd like to talk about, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but, you know, either the sort of the, what is the underlying reason why we're still using, you know, amalgam fillings in this country? So I think the approach of removal has been pretty much, uh, 
optimized, at least as far as we know, by the um, the organization, the IAOMT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and they've really put together a lot of research and um, have, you know, as far as filtering and the way they should be removed, basically just so they can be removed without um, as little off-gassing as possible. So I could actually sometimes get one out without even touching it. Like you can go, right, there's like little techniques to that. So there's a bunch of equipment and stuff we use. And it's just about minimizing your exposure to it when, we, when it's removed, um, which is definitely the way to go, especially if you have a lot of them. Um, but as far as why we're still using amalgam, I think it's very cheap and it's very durable and it's very easy to place. So you'll see it used mostly now in um, like HMO practices. A lot of insurances will only pay for amalgam fillings because that's cheaper than a resin or a porcelain one. And then you'll also see it like with a lot of special needs patients where it's very difficult to potentially isolate the tooth because these other materials like that I use in my office, you have to keep it very dry to put these other materials in. And with amalgam, it doesn't need to be dry. Okay. So easy, cheap, cheap convenient, but not necessarily the best for your health. N- no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I... I learned when I was in dental school way back in the early 90s, like I, that's what I learned to do. Yeah. And I loved working with them. I could do a really nice amalgam filling. They're fun. You carve them. I mean, you can do a really, I mean, and they last a really long time. Um, but yeah, no, you can't, you shouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's my opinion. Um, there's and, too many great options now. And, and we know that mercury is associated with immunotoxicity, neurotoxicity, chronic inflammation, allergies, autoimmunity. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's have, no safe amount of mercury. Right. So, so like, I remember, and I, I don't know, I might have talked about but breaking, open up one of those capsules in lab, working with my um, colleagues in dental school and saying, that, looking at that little ball of mercury, it's a big ball of mercury. There's just as much mercury in a amalgam capsule that there as there is in a thermometer, like the old school thermometers. But if you break a thermometer, they clear the area and people come in with suits, right? And people say, it's different. That's a di- It's not different. It's the same thing. Okay? The same. But I'm going to shake up this thing. I'm going to break it and put it in there. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand for a long time it was really the best thing we had. And I think, um, so I think who knows in 10 years, I mean, the porcelain material we're using may be, I mean, be having the same conversation about. Um, but I think that's all you can do, though, is, you know, learn and grow and try to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, think we, I think we are. Good. That's that's very helpful to hear. Yeah. How does your approach to removing amalgam fillings maybe differ from a conventional approach? It's, it's based on that um, uh, IAOMT. Yeah. organization protocol what does that what does that stand for just for the listeners out there international academy of oral what's the m something toxicology but you are trained in this which yes, which yes. is the, the bottom, which is what i was trying to get out here yeah not trying to put you on the spot but yeah yeah and, and so this is this is an organization that's kind of like the the ifm the institute for functional medicine where it's biological dentists are trained and and how to safely remove amalgams and just also on probably biologic dentistry principles in general yes 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 we actually yeah we do a lot of training though not just with them like we do training with other organizations like dr volts's 
organization in Switzerland. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> let's talk about that another time. Okay, yes, okay. that sounds good. Um, so let's talk about sleep apnea a bit because uh, just going back to that, um, we know that sleep apnea, there's different ways to treat that, um, you know, and, and, and also upper airway resistance syndrome. But let's say sleep apnea, you know, we have potentially there's, there's CPAPs, you know, but a lot of people, you know, the statistics on CPAPs are that 30% of people after a year take off their mask and they, they don't return to it. They, you know, only, only, um, I, did I say 30%? 70%. That means 30%, only 30% tolerate it after a year, which is basically seven out of 10 people put away that mask yep. and just put it under their bed and then they don't use it. Even though they have sleep apnea, they have a treatment for it. They have yes. a good treatment for it, but they're not using it because it's not comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. So what are some other ways to treat sleep apnea that you kind of can offer um, from a biological dentistry or holistic perspective? So uh, there's two things you can do. I've, many, many of my patients have CPAPs and want to get out of them or can't tolerate them, uh, is we can make appliances that literally sort of hold your jaw forward at night and keep your airway open. And depending on where you're at on the scale as far as like moderate, mild, moderate, or severe, that works well for like uh, mild to moderate. It actually can work very well. But if you want to fix the problem, um, the two ways that um, is, you know, structurally fix your airway by opening it up um, would be a growth appliance. And then also what we like to interlace with that or some potentially some patients only need is we do a laser treatment, um, which is called night lays, where we basically are lasering the the back of your throat um, and it takes that tissue back there and tightens up the collagen until you see the soft tissue that's sort of a sunk down and it'll go it's like so it sounds terrible and painful i think it sounds cool it sounds like night laser tag to me so it it's kind of yeah. i've had it done on okay me. it's you don't feel anything. It's actually very boring. You just have to sit there for 20 minutes while we do it. So you don't feel pain? There's zero pain. Okay. But you will, um, you have to do it like every 21 days, three times. And it's something that sort of like with, if you were doing Botox for your face or something, it would, it's something that you would have to do once or twice, a, a few times a year to sort mm -hmm. of maintain it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our patients will do the appliance with the laser because that sort of opens things up immediately. Or, you know, some will do one or the other. Got it. And what about the upper area resistance syndrome? How do you treat that? Exactly the same. The same way. Okay. Exactly the same. The laser is amazing for that because um, it gets rid of the tightens up the tissue. Those, mm -hmm. And the appliances knock that out as well. That's, that's how I fix myself. Got it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and how about, how about with the myofascial release? Where does that come to play with, with these treatments? Oh, yeah. So um, we work with Dr. Manny Kim, and he's amazing. And he will basically... Um, before we do either of these treatments, I have most of my patients get evaluated by him. I work with other PTs in the area also, like Louise Kelly and um, outside the office, but he, um, we have him in the office like right now on Thursdays, and he will evaluate the patient, um, you know, structurally, and, and then he'll, we sort of like um, discuss what would be the best way of treatment, like um, that they would get them. Sometimes it's a matter of, uh, him doing some structural work on them before we get started depends what they have going on because mm -hmm. you don't you know so it can be the right treatment wrong time and the nice thing about all these treatments are you can do them at any point in time i have patients in their 70s doing these growth appliances and you get the same results so it's you know it and i don't know what we'll be doing new in the next five or ten years but it's nice to know what your options are that's brilliant that's 
So it's never too late to change never your too mouth. Late. You know, epigenetics. Yeah. That's Andy. right. Epigenetics. I'm totally for that as well. I'm, I'm yeah. constantly changing. That's right. Our cells are turning over yeah. every like 30 days or, or even less time, depending on the tissue, I believe. Um, yeah. So that's great. Thank you so much, Kim. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple other things. I'm curious your thoughts on nutrition and oral health. <laughs> a great, great topic. Um, everyone's all interested in nutrition, and um, you know, how does nutrition affect oral health? I would say, you know, we know that nutrition can be one of the root causes, one of the reasons why you know there's some epigenetic influences on the mouth health, on the jaw yeah. diameter, and everything. Yeah, yeah. If I could take all my patients and put them on a uh, anti-inflammatory diet. I think I would probably cure 90% of it, everything they have in their mouth. <laughs> We're not talking about 16 tablespoons of olive oil a day, right? We're not just olive oil, but no, other things. No, like a yeah. whole lifestyle. Yeah. Like, um, you know, um, I like to talk. So a lot of, you know, I have some patients where, like, for instance, soda is a problem. Like if we're looking at teeth and cavities, that's like number one. It's got to be the worst food for teeth, right? Sodas it's and the worst. phosphoric acid and all it's that. A, and so I remember I used to love Diet Coke um, back in the day <laughs> and in school. And um, when I got out of school and I started working people's teeth and I started to see these Diet Coke drinkers, their teeth, I remember I'd be like, okay, I'm going to let myself have a Diet Coke when I go to the movies. That was the only time I'd let myself get like a big Diet Coke. And then yeah. A few years later, I'd go to the movies, get my Diet Coke. I'd take one sip out of it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my teeth are killing me. It was, it was psychologically. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so I saw so much. Yeah. Yeah. So soda's yeah. huge. But you know what? I have so many holistic and healthy patients where it's not soda, where it's actually like juice. Hmm. Yeah. People think it's okay, but... And juice is not really great metabolically for you anyway. Um, In theory, if they drink it through a straw, though, would that help the teeth or no? No, No. okay. Because it gets in your saliva. Ah, okay. It's the pH. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it might decrease it a little bit, but um, it might decrease it a little bit, but it's still, I would would recommend if you're going to drink some juice. I'm not anti all juice, but if you're going to drink some juice, I would follow that up with some water. Okay, just to wash it down. Yeah, you don't okay. want, and then people think when you're drinking or eating something acidic, you don't want to run to the bathroom, brush your teeth. Your teeth are actually very soft at that point, so um, I would just drink some water. What about uh, the the classic uh, club soda, you know, the juice with the, the orange juice with the uh, seltzer? The problem with that is um, it's the pH. It's the carbonation mm-hmm. that gets you. Okay. So that's okay. why, like, even with soda, um, diet soda is actually worse than regular soda. Yeah, the pH is even worse. So, yeah, it's just the pH. And and because because Weston A. Price um, was a dentist, and you know, he wrote this whole book on nutrition, and I think it was called um, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, I believe, or Oral Regeneration. <laughs> I'll have to go look at my my Amazon cart. But um, uh, you know, uh, you know, he wrote this whole book on on nutrition and oral health, and went around to all these indigenous societies, and yep. they were like, you know, eating super healthy you know whole foods but they were varied on their their nutrition some people were eating like mostly meats and you know even like blood of the animals and things like that other Mm -hmm. people were eating mostly like yams and stuff Mm -hmm. but it was all like whole foods that they were harvesting locally or hunting and harvesting locally and all their teeth i mean apparently from that book here you know um very famous book is that it's it's very much you know these people these you know tribes or the cultures were very um, they had very healthy um, oral mm-hmm. oral cavities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even like with juice and fruit and stuff, like with his uh, research, he showed you know these a lot of these, especially out in the tropics, they ate, but they did it seasonally. So like 
this fruit was in season for a few months, so they ate a lot of fruit during that. But that was it. Mm. So like now we have whole we we have too much access. We eat. We can get pineapple every day of the year. We can get you know every day. So it's it's just it's excessiveness. Yeah. Really. And it doesn't allow the body to recover and and kind of kind of change with the seasons. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 So you know I don't know. One of the things I love about him is he talked about with all of his research that there's this um, uh, mineral activator or vitamin activator thing in all of his research. And he, he wasn't sure. He gave it the name. I think it was Activator X or uh, it was X. And he compiled all this research on it that he felt like this thing he called Activator X was the one nutrient that was key to transporting all the ones you really need into your system. And then I think it was in 2008, um, oh, I cannot remember the researcher, but I have it I have it in that book I just gave you, um, did, got together all their research and proved that act, this X thing was actually K2 hmm. and how that was, you know, what we needed, um, you know, to transport vitamin D into our skin, our bones. So like, um, there's so much research out there on, you know, you should have vitamin D with vitamin K. You need it or else it's not going to get into your skin and your bones. And they show how um, in this country, you know, we're throwing vitamin D at everybody. But where's the K2 that they need to actually absorb it? Like, yeah. why do, do women have, why do we have so much osteoporosis in this country? Because what does calcium need to get into your bones? Vitamin K2. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're taking calcium, but we're not taking K2. Yeah, so it's getting to the arteries instead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I've been following this, um, the Dr. Volt's approach uh, with the teeth. He, there's a ton of research out there. He says um, if you have your vitamin D and K levels at a certain point, like, you're, you'll get it into your teeth. You'll get into your bones. You'll see a decrease in periodontal disease and inflammation. And I have to say, so we've been working on this with our patients, and the results have been amazing. You see, uh, even just completely opposite, the orthodontic society has seen, or um, if you're uh, doing orthodontics on patients, and you're moving teeth and stuff, there's D and K, and you're getting 30% more bone growth. 30%, which is huge. Wow. So, because a lot of people lose bone when you start moving teeth and stuff. So, this is very important yeah. to not just have D, to have it with K. But you know more of that, about that stuff. No, I, I think that's a great point is that, you know, vitamin K, all the vitamins, all the minerals work synergistically with each other. It's not just like throwing one isolated vitamin out there. Yeah, it's necessary and, to have that to pull it over and actually absorb it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great point. Yeah, we do try to recommend for people when they take the D3 take the K2 in addition to that, yeah. you know, on, uh, as well. Um, how about mouthwash? You know, everyone's all into Listerine right now and all these different mouthwashes. Is mouthwash good or bad? You know, what does that do to the microbiome? I think that's a good um, kind of place to start with that. So there's so many options out there now. Uh, you really um, want to be careful with that. Like, we think more is better. My dad loved Listerine. It burns. Um, but... You know, you want something that's not drying um, because that's going to destroy your biome and it's going to destroy your teeth and it destroys the materials we put in your teeth. Um, so clearly alcohol free. But I think everybody, a lot of mouthwashes have caught on to that. You don't want anything artificial in your mouthwash. You don't want anything artificial in your mouthwash. You don't want it to be foamy. You don't want it to be blue. 
Okay. Like bright blue, <laughs> like a non-natural. Or I know, like, like I don't know what's <laughs> yeah. in there, but yeah. um, it's not strawberries. You want something yeah. that doesn't dry your mouth out. Yeah. Um, so less is definitely more in this arena. Um, it's crazy that you've seen that research on the, you know, high, people with high blood pressure. They took away their mouthwash and watched their blood pressure just drop. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, know that. at NIH. Wow. So because they were destroyed, they had no nitric oxide in Got their system. It. Okay, so so that might be something. And and there are some nitric oxide salary test strips that we we use to, you know, oh, look at that cool. to look at the the NO levels. And, very um, cool. But it might be interesting to see, you know, if they had those low low NO levels, I might start asking them now. Just asking across the board. Do you, you use? Don't do use, use it. Don't much. use any of that stuff. Yeah. So there's all there's definitely natural ones out there I like that have essential oils. We have a few at the office, but you can get them other places. Um, but honestly, I tell my patients the best thing you could probably use is water with like a few, a little bit of table salt. Okay. Because that's what your cells love. Oh, that's like just that's brilliant. Not sea salt. Table salt. <laughs> okay, so not tea salt, so like the regular yeah, table salt. Regular, regular. You want okay. iodide? You I, want, yeah, I, iodized, iodized salt. Yeah. Okay, iodized salt. Um, and not a lot. Like you could put a salt shaker by your toothbrush and fill a cup with water and just go shake, shake, and you would be shocked with how happy your gums would be. I'm gonna try that tonight. Okay. <laughs> but I do like that one that you have the office. I think it's called um, the Dental Herbal Company one. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> that one is so good. Tooth and gum. Yeah, tooth and gum. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I I had some jaw work done. Um, this long. This is like. Uh, maybe 15 years ago, and I saw a colleague of mine up in Boston. I flew in for the appointment, and I went to his office, and he was a biological dentist. And this was before I actually done my training. And when I was leaving, I went in their bathroom, and they had it there in the bathroom, and I rinsed with it, and I left his office, and I got on a plane, I got home, and I got home, and I could still taste it in my mouth, and it tasted good. <laughs> and I, I texted him, I was like, what's the name of that stuff I use? That's amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's how he's got it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It has a great taste, unlike mm -hmm. many mouthwashes. I mean, it tastes like you're actually kind of rinsing out with some herbs as opposed you are. to something and that's what you, and you are. Nat a natural blue color. And it's not thing, drying you know? at all. Yeah. yeah. And what about toothpaste? Do you recommend, you know, what, what kind of toothpaste do you recommend for people? Um, I like fluoride free and mm -hmm. two things, um, no fluoride and no SDS, like uh, sodium lauryl, uh, SLS, sorry, uh, uh, sodium lauryl sulfate. What, what's the what's the deal with fluoride and SLS? Why are these, why are they so bad for the mouth? Uh, well, we all get way too much fluoride. It's in our water. We don't need any extra fluoride. Well, you're not supposed to ingest it. We're already getting fluoride anyway. I know. But should we, though, even get fluoride in the water? That's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Opening up a rabbit hole yeah, there. We yeah, don't need, you don't need any more. You're not, you have enough fluoride. Yeah. So I say no fluoride. And um, no, and the SLS is the stuff, and like they put it in shampoo and soap, and it's the stuff that makes it foamy and fuzzy. Um, but you'll see if you go really high end, even with hair supplies, they don't put it in there because it's, it's it's damaging to your hair. It's drying. It's no good for you. It's very reactive. So, and it's in toothpaste. And it takes a little getting used to not having it in your toothpaste, but especially patients who get like canker sores or any kind of, even like herpetic lesions, like that stuff will make you get it more often. It's very irritating. Your body does not like it. So the SLS is there to make people buy the product more, essentially? Yes. It doesn't have a health benefit. Zero. Okay. okay. Negative. That's important it's to know. Bad. It's like, because it's in all the shampoos and toothpaste, so it must be good, right? But yeah. it's not, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, got it, got it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for this um, and very enlightening <laughs>、uh, podcast on dentistry, oral health, and how that affects, of course, general health. Let's, we're going to ask some closing questions that we、okay. ask our、right. guests here, which are really amazing. And I think we're going to take a look here. But、um, you know, do you have a morning routine?、Um, if so, and、um, you know, <laughs> it could just be. You know, I, was, I was watching this、um, funny、uh, Netflix、uh, show. Uh, on um, it's, it's very random, but it's it's called awake, and like people are awake for twenty four hours. Oh, watched that yesterday, and you know, they're the course for them. It's just like ah,、oh, just rolling up and trying to hit the alarm clock, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the games that was on there. But um, yeah. Do you have any morning routine? And and if so, I understand you are a very early morning person. Yeah,、uh, I'm a morning person. Um, I'm a runner, but I actually don't like to run in the morning. I um, I, I do have a morning routine. It's very quick and efficient. Everything's out. I'm ready to go. The first thing I do is let my dogs out and get some coffee. <laughs> so、um, and you brush your teeth right after that, or I do brush my teeth right after that, <laughs> probably before and after. Nice, But,、uh... nice. I expect <laughs> that from a holistic dentist. Yes, I know.、Great. I know. You shouldn't do what I do. Just listen to what I say. <laughs> <laughs> But、um, yeah, no, that's I, I have nothing exciting. I, I listen to NPR. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, well, coffee. I mean, just to get back to that for a second. I mean, coffee is not necessarily. I mean, it's considered often now. I think with the research, like black coffee is considered a health drink. You know, that's what I tell myself.、Yes. Yeah, it has the chlorogenic yeah. acid. Yeah. It reduces blood sugar. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do really well with it. I drink、benefits. it black. I do drink it black. I do put some collagen in it. Nice. And it makes it less acidic. Yeah.、Um, but that's it. That's a health food. Yeah. So I just I just have black <laughs> coffee with a little bit of collagen in it. No、yeah. flavoring, no nothing like that.、So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried it with cinnamon. It actually tastes pretty good. Yeah, it yeah. sounds good. I like yeah. cinnamon. Yeah. Just add a little sprinkle cinnamon.、Um, what book or podcast are you enjoying the most right now? Maybe including your own podcast. I'd have to say I really、yeah. love the podcast, the Holistic Vigilantes. That's an amazing name.、It's、I know. Name. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you and Dr. Tippograph、yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with that name? I, mean, I kind of think about two women on a motorbike, know, you know, brushing know, their teeth or something. Well,、yeah. We like、yeah. to have fun. Yeah. Because,、um, yeah. you know, life is, I know, all about, you know, stimulating the vagus nerve.、Uh, we laugh a lot in our office. It's all about laughing. So,、yeah. you know, we don't take, we take everything seriously, but at the same time,、um, you know, you got to laugh. So, yeah, we just wanted to have fun and we thought that that would be a fun name. And, If nothing else, it would be a good clothing line, maybe. Yes, I can see that. It's like a cutting edge. Yes, that's great. And what do you do every day to cultivate joy?、Uh, such a good question.、Um, I don't know that I do the same thing every day, but there's definitely things.、Um, probably, you know, spending time with my daughter. I definitely, I like to go home and I go running, and I feel like.、Um, It's definitely like a mental health, and it def you know I start off the run, and sometimes you know I'm working out in my head, like I think about things I'm grateful for, because、uh, you know you run and you go, and your life is moving like this, and it's like at what point do you really like have to stop, make yourself stop and think about it?、It's、so funny, like I'll be on a run and I'll be figuring some things out, and sometimes I'm really happy, and I might cry a little bit, and I pass people, and I know they're like. And then I come back. <laughs>、uh, don't mind me, just my therapy. Um, but um, yeah, so I'd say、um, running, and then also、um, I think、uh, the the volunteer work that we do is actually the most 
joyous part. Joyous part, yeah. Uh, the the volunteer trips to Haiti and other yeah, volunteer. Yeah, we work? do locally as well. Yeah. It's been difficult during COVID, um, but that I feel like every healthcare provider, everyone should do it really because yeah. it's it just reminds you what's really important. Yeah, and it puts everything in perspective. That's great. Yeah, working for so. the free clinic. Yeah, that's that's so. Like, why helpful. am I really doing this? You right, know? right. Yeah. Being of service and exactly, and it's one it of the. There. The things, isn't it one of the main things that bring people happiness? Exactly. It is. It, absolutely. Giving back when there's not anything expected in return, actually. Exactly. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it's agree. huge. Bringing that joy and purpose to life. And we know that's all part of health, laughing, stimulating the vagus nerve. <laughs> now, we talk a lot about here in our practice about gargling too and chanting and singing. And that's great yeah. for the vagus as well. So I'm curious yeah. do you have any favorite songs that you want to sing at the top of your lungs? Not necessarily right now, but just in general. I have some Sia songs. That I will Sia, belt out yes, in my car yes, with my yeah, daughter. She's a really yeah. good singer. <laughs> nice. You and your daughter, uh, yeah, uh, two-woman band there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Ken, thank you so much. It's been so fun and enlightening as well. How can listeners learn more about you and work with you as well? Practicing? Our website, um, we're Natural Dental Associates um, dot com. You can find us, you know, on the internet, um, and you know, our podcast, Holistic Vigilantes, which is on. Um, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out more episodes of that. Yeah, we're going to get you on it soon, I heard. Awesome, yes. Yeah. I'm very excited about that, yes. Yeah, cool. and then Jen is, uh, I know that you like the animals that we use. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Bear. Thank you so much, Kim, for Thanks. joining us. And if you enjoy this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. Okay. It helps our podcast reach more listeners. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, Kim. Okay, great. Thank you.